Lisa K. 10 to noon on KTOE. KTOE Middays with Lisa K. Thanks for hanging out with me. It's 10 minutes, uh, well, 12 minutes after 10 o'clock. How about that? 28 degrees right now. That should be about the high. I guess we're looking up to about 30. And we have this winter weather advisory until 12 o'clock this afternoon that we're kind of working through. But that's okay because it is that time of year. And I've got guests up until 12 o'clock this afternoon. After 11, I am expecting Mankato City Manager Susan Arntz to step into the studio. And right now with the DNR, we've got Craig Sapir. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Lisa. Thanks for having me today. I'm really excited to be in studio with you for the first time. This is the first time you've been in the KTOE studio with me. So um, the first time that you and I met, Craig, we were out at, uh, I was doing a, a little investigative work when the fishing opener was happening and um, tell us what you do with the DNR so we know where you came from. Yeah, so I'm the area fishery supervisor at the Waterville Fisheries Office and uh, we we manage nine counties, all the fisheries in southern Minnesota, um, pretty much Mankato and East and we also have the state's largest cool water fish hatchery where we raise northern pike and muskie and and walleye and uh, we we do a lot of stocking in the state. So I have to say I was really embarrassed that I have lived here since 1997 and I'd never been out there and I didn't know much about it. I'd heard about it, but I didn't really know what it was or what you did until I got there. I was like, wow, which is probably why you invited people out for a big open house. We did. We're glad you came too. by the way. Um, It's it's interesting because I my wife worked with somebody that drove from Fairball to Mankato every day and. She didn't know that we had a hatchery there, and she drove right by it. So we put these big brown signs out on the Highway 60 <laughs> a few years ago, and that's helped a little bit. But um, yeah, it's it's um, it's it's right west of Waterville, right on Lake Tatanka, um, between Elysian and Waterville. There's a turnoff there, and um, we we like people to come out and visit, especially during the spring because there's so much we're doing. Uh, this time of year, the hatchery is kind of you know dry. We don't have fish inside the hatchery, so there's not a lot to see. Mm-hmm. But um, we do appreciate having visitors out. We get 300 to 500 visitors every year that come out, including bus tours and things like that. I was going to say schools and things like that. Yeah, people bring their school um, kids out from the schools, and we get whole classes that come. We do a little program for them and show them the fish, and it's always a good time. Uh, There's a lot to learn there. It's um, as, As far as the DNRs goes, the hatcheries are really something that's tangible. People like stocking. Um, there's fish to see, and mm-hmm. you know, there's fish hatching, and you know these. That eggs was and... amazing too. The the whole process of it, yep. and that you can learn how you actually go about doing that, and then the ponds that are outside, and then the, the education that was upstairs. Yeah. Uh, with all of the the DNR folks there that were explaining. Here's the types of nets that we use, and here's where we go. Didn't realize when we hear. I mean, we hear on the news often that you're stocking area waters and don't really realize where that comes from. Yeah, well, they come from a hatchery, and that, that's <laughs> mostly for southern Minnesota. That's Waterville, and uh, we, we stock fish all the way from, you know, all the way out to the South Dakota border. Uh, fish that come out of Waterville get stocked, so uh, we have a big impact on southern Minnesota especially, but our fish do go statewide. Some of the muskie that we raise get stocked um, all the way up in northern parts of the state, so they get shipped all over. But is it mainly Minnesota? They don't leave the state, or do they sometimes? The fish we raise all get stocked within the state, unless we have some, you know, unique partnership with another state agency, but for the most part, stocked within the state of Minnesota. And so if it's if it's dry right now, I mean, inside, you said there's no fish inside right now. Um, when do you start 
Here's my gardening mind going. I'm like, when do you start seeding? I know that's not the term, or maybe it is. I don't know. Just so a like, little when bit. Do you start, yeah. A little bit before you plant your radishes, probably. No, it's it's pretty early. <laughs> it, it, it's all weather dependent. Okay. Um, typically, we start doing our northern pike spawning, where we're taking adults in and taking eggs and doing the spawning process. Uh, sometime around the first week in April. Okay. And then, you know, that takes a couple of weeks. And then by mid-April, then we're kind of getting into the walleye egg take. And um, we kind of go from there and everything kind of warms up. But uh, we, we start pretty early. And the reason we don't have fish inside now is because our water source is actual pond, ponded water. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the winter like this, um, the water temperatures are just too cold for produce to produce fish. And we don't have an ability right now, at least, to heat water temperature to a temperature that's favorable for fish, which usually is around 70 degrees. So we can't raise anything indoors right now. Where are the fish right now that are going to be used when you're collecting eggs coming in April? They're in the mamas. So we, you know, the the females are out. Like, yeah, where do you keep them? Yeah, they're they're in the lakes. Okay, Um, so you'll go and harvest. Exactly. So for Northern Pike, we have, we go to the lakes and focus on them around the Waterville area that have the highest abundance. Okay. Where we have the most likelihood to catch fish. Uh, we we take those fish with nets. Um, we bring them back to the hatchery. We strip the eggs out and you know fertilize the eggs, and then we put the females back in the lake where we got them from. Because uh, we don't have real high abundant pike populations down here, so it's important that we do that. Um, the walleye generally are in our lakes, and um, they're captured through a trap um, at, at various places throughout the state. And then those eggs are transported down to the hatchery. Uh, with that said, we did start uh, an egg take station at Waterville uh, last year. Oh, okay. And it was the first time we had done that in 32 years. So we, we are planning to do that again this year. So we're taking our own eggs, okay. essentially. Uh, but that's that's something that's relatively new. But um, it's, a, it's a pretty impressive process with all the walleye that are spawned, you know, just statewide at mm-hmm. all of our egg takes throughout the DNR. And um, it's a really important thing we do, of course, state fish. So, you know, there's that. Right. And let's talk about what's going on right now. I mean, we're, we're just getting snow. This is the first time I think this week that our temps are going to drop as low as they've been. What does that do to the folks that are out trying to catch? Yeah. <laughs> when we see people water skiing, you know, on Christmas and New Year's Day. So or, weird. It's so <laughs> strange, right? Yeah, it's it's been a weird winter. Uh, I just saw the other day that... Lake Tatanka, which we have an annual data set when the ice lake actually freezes over completely. And uh, the previous latest date we had of ice uh, ice on, we call it, was December 15th. And this year it was um, just last, just the other day. Right. So we're, we're like way over. And, and what that data set has found is that over the course of the last 40 years, um, our ice on date has, has been delayed about 10 days over that 40 years. So it's really kind of changed a little bit. Uh, now, the same data set suggests that when the ice comes off is like almost the same time of the year, but it's variable from year to year. Okay. But uh, this winter has been brutal for ice anglers. Yeah. <laughs> this part of the state, and people are just like chomping at the bit to get out and have fun ice angling. We're going to do it safe. I know I had uh, yeah. Nicole on talking about ice safety, and we kind of laughed about it because not right now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's anglers be very very careful out uh, it, right in the end of you know middle of november i think that people started kind of sneaking out onto the ice and then it disappeared so people got kind of got that into their system they wanted to be out and then it got taken away but um, normally we have 
really good ice by now and it's safe and people can get out. But this year has been tough. Um, anglers have not been able to get out. And so the status of our winter fishing has really been non-existent. Um, besides the boats that have been out in right. Madison. You know. Right. That kind of fishing, I guess. Yeah, but... that, it's backwards kind of. But um, to see boats out fishing, you know, after Christmas and on Lake Madison and other lakes around the area was just, it was really, really weird. But what a unique treat for people that did it. This is really strange, right? Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about boom and bust fisheries. What what does that mean? So boom, it, it means almost exactly what it says. You're either booming or it's a bust. And a lot of our shallow lakes in southern Minnesota have a tendency to winter kill. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we kind of manage them with fry stocking with walleye or northern pike. And we stock them regularly with the expectation that there's going to be some years following a winter kill when we have really good fry survival that they're going to boom. And that the, that good, reprodu- or good survival that we have will result in a really good fishery. And for you know two, years two and three and four after we do those stockings, generally there's some great fishing. And then there's going to be times after the winter kill or, you know, after a period of no winter kill, five or six years, where they're going to kind of tail off a little bit and they're going to be a bust fishery. Now, this year, we have several in the area that are kind of busts. And the reason is, is because we had pretty substantial winter kills last winter. And so lakes like Eagle, uh, Lake Elysian, uh, Scotch Lake, um, there's several in the area that kind of were supporting a lot of our winter angling that got dinged last year. And now, so we restocked them, but the fish aren't big enough yet for for them to be targeted by anglers. Hmm. And so how do I, how will we know? Um, how do you talk, guys keep track of talk, that? Like, talk to us. Yeah, right? <laughs> we, we go out and we do netting. Uh, we do monitor the situation. Uh, we stock them, of course, and then we kind of assess how the stocking fared. Um, the good news is on that, we're, we're busting this year, but a lot of them, as long as we don't get a winter kill this year, look really good for fry survival. Which so we, have, we probably won't, or is that does that dep- depend on temperature? I, I don't try to predict that okay. anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I did that once, and I was sorely mistaken, so I don't do it anymore. But We'll ne- wait and see what happens. Happens, yeah. Right? So next year, though, these a lot of these lakes that we stocked this spring, um, the walleye will start getting into that 14-inch range where anglers will target them. All right. Interesting. Bring, We're gonna talk- bringing back the boom. Right. So. Yeah. It's a, everything's kind of cyclical, it sounds like. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, when we come back about what lakes have what species in our area. And then I, I know we've got some rules we want to go over today with the DNR. All about fish today, whether you're fishing, um, you know, from your boat on Madison Lake <laughs> in a weird, uh, probably not in your fish house around here, but we'll see. We'll see. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. It's Lisa Kay on your midday KTOE. Stick around. We'll be right back in just a few. KTOE, middays with Lisa Kay. Craig in with the DNR. We're talking about uh, fishing at this time of year. Normally we're talking about, you know, everybody out on a lake somewhere ice fishing, but a little bit about the management uh, side of things, which is what you focus on. Um, And kind of finish up our discussion on boom and bust and and talk about um, the sections of fish and wildlife that you have cooperation with within the DNR. Yeah, so we're we're a division, the same fish and wildlife division, but we're broken into two different sections. And so we we are, each have responsibilities. Uh, like for for us, we're fisheries section, and we are responsible for fisheries management. But there are cases where we work together with our other sections, um, and, and specifically when it comes to shallow lake management. Uh, some of these lakes that are shallow lakes, we've done reclamation projects on to try to improve water quality. Okay. And bring back some kind of some life to those systems, um, and in those 
those situations, you know, the, the wildlife staff are we're managing it for both wild waterfowl as well as fish. Mm-hmm. And so, we, in those situations, we kind of stock them uniquely. Uh, many of those kind of cooperative managed lakes we stock with northern pike and yellow perch which are very tolerant species meaning that they're tolerant to low oxygen in the winter and they don't winter kill quite as frequently Um, and the beauty of northern pike is in places where you have common carp which if people people don't know common carp are really hard on aquatic vegetation and lakes so they they uproot it and they're they're kind of they're kind of sloppy mm-hmm. and they cause poor water quality so we try to try to limit those by stocking northern pike they're a good top down predator which means that they have top down suppression of those common carp through their oh, feeding. Okay. So we right. we stock them with northern pike and yellow perch. Um, we don't aerate those types of lakes with the plan that we would like them to winter kill occasionally to kind of wipe out the common carp that oftentimes are a problem in those lakes. So that's kind of uh, some of the cooperative lakes. An example would be Freeborn Lake. Uh, which is down to our south here. Um, that's one that we cooperatively manage. Uh, even Henry Lake to, to the north of town. Um, and there's several several examples throughout the state, but we, we have quite a few of them here in the Waterville area. So we, we always appreciate when we can work together with our um, wildlife counterparts to um, to bring good fisheries and wildlife back to our to our lakes. Did you grow up with Mr. Rogers on television? I did. Do you remember, like, he'd occasionally go into the crayon factory and show you how the crayon that's kind of what I feel like it is like I love getting the behind the scenes things that we wouldn't know about that you you do yeah and we we were that's a really good point we we get a lot of comments that um people are really seeking and want to know just kind of like the day-to-day stuff we do and yeah one of the big things we've done with our outreach at Waterville over the last year is try to bring that out to the to our anglers on a daily basis whether it's through social media or you know our newsletters or whatever it is and just to let people know hey this is what we're doing today and this is why we're doing it Mm -hmm. and it helps to provide like a connection with our anglers and it helps them feel um, like they're engaged and even like you know they're part of the team because really they are we we pre we need their input. Um, they a lot of times they know what's going on in a lake just as much as we do because they're out fishing. Because they're out there all the time. Yeah, exactly. it's like hands on the ground. Right? So, so it is a team effort. We're you know we do the management and but we do take the input and we incorporate that into the management and we really appreciate uh, when anglers are um, active with us in regard to communication. So, in our KTOE listening area, can you talk a little bit about the opportunities for for fishing angling? Um, what kinds you mentioned walleye, you mentioned perch, but what kinds uh, what lakes have what kinds of species yeah we have we're really fortunate here in south central minnesota uh, in the mankato listening area here because we have a lot of good resources Um, if you're gonna i mean you don't have to go far madison lake has pretty much the whole gamut okay you can get out there and you can catch nice bluegills and nice crappie there's great walleye fishing out there uh northern pike it has pretty much everything um lake washington is another lake these are washington and madison are kind of our stable lakes we don't have to worry about them winter killing so they're really kind of consistent from year to year so they're great places to kind of go and you can you can you know find what species you want depending on what you're targeting um, Duck Lake and Ballantyne Lake, just east of town, are great examples of other lakes that have panfish. So okay. the bluegill and crappie and even largemouth bass to some degree. Uh, if you head west of town, Lake Crystal area, um, we have some lakes in the Lake Crystal, um, Loon Lake and Mills Lake, which do occasionally winter kill, but they have really high abundance of walleye. So they're great places to go for fishing for walleye, especially in the spring or in the winter. 
Um, but so, yeah, we, we have lots of options. You can go over into the Waterville area, and we have the whole Cannon River chain of lakes, which, which have almost every species available. Uh, so anglers are really kind of blessed in this area to have um, lots of options when it comes to fishing. We're pretty fortunate and fortunate that you are watching and making sure that everything is uh, the way that it's supposed to be. Much more than I think we even think. We go out and fish, you catch a fish, and you go home, look what I got. We try. Someone's behind me. Lisa we try. In the we, are always, we don't always know everything that's going on out there, of course. Uh, we're told that, Craig but that's okay. Uh, we, we try to Ruski, keep our finger so, on the pulse. Um, and, um, I was wondering what you guys would have thought about that. I know you're a fish guy, but... We're trying to push really <laughs> hard this like past year, especially. Is, we're trying to keep anglers updated on exactly what we're seeing when we're out in the field. We get paid by anglers' license dollars, all we do. So we want to pass that information on to the people that are going out there buying those licenses. Well, we're glad you're here on KTOE sharing some of that with us. And we're going to be back in just a bit talking about uh, some new rules for ice angling that's, that's coming up here and to some fun facts we did a fish survey so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, that in our next segment with Craig from the DNR here it's KTOE I mean it's got to be sad for people that drag the fish house out on the ice every year and spend hours and days out there sometimes straight <laughs> sometimes <laughs> they don't come home <laughs> they don't come home um, but you know can't do that right now. Maybe in a little bit. We'll cross our fingers. There's, there's a lot of people waiting for snow and, and ice. Yeah, I think the forecast is looking very favorable. Uh, we're supposed to be in the negative temperatures through next weekend. And when that happens, we can form a couple inches of ice a day. So um, That's good. Yeah. How much ice has to be on there before we start walking out there, driving out there? You led me perfectly into that. We always tell people that no ice is ever safe. So we, we aren't going to say, you go out and X inches of ice, you're going to be okay. We don't do that. Right. But in general, in order to walk on ice, you want between four and six inches. Um, and much more than that to drive a vehicle on. So um, if, if you have four to six inches with precaution, and using the spud bar, which is, you know, it's a big heavy rod with a beveled end that kind of you pound the ice in front of you to make sure that it's stable. Okay. Um, you should use those types of tools when you're out in the ice, no matter how thick it is. And Nicole said ice picks, so pull yeah. yourself out, and also what clear ice. I remember. See, these are all my DNR yes. lessons. So ice picks were number one of the number one safety things you should have. Um, if if for whatever reason you do fall through, in order to self to pull yourself back up in the ice, having those ice picks is really important. You should always also use the buddy system. Have somebody with you so that in case something happens that they can help you. Um, Wearing proper clothing, especially layers, is really important. And uh, they even make flotation, like, jackets nowadays that so they hold you up in the water, kind of like a life jacket. So people should think about those types of things. And uh, just use common sense as the key and just be very careful. Because right now we do not have good ice. And it may be a week or two before that we get something that's fairly safe to even walk on. Let's talk a little bit, Craig, about some new rules that are out for ice angling now, even if people aren't out doing that particular thing in our area yet. But. Yeah, so we had one new rule that came, and it started actually in July this year, um, and that is that um, you have to have any type of garbage or trash or anything that you have out on the ice with you, you have to have it on something that's attached to your ice house. So you can't just leave something laying out on the ice. And one of the, one of the you know, kind of problems we have with, with um, ice fishing is sometimes people can be a little messy mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff gets kind of left out on the ice. And with this new rule, having to have it attached to um, either a vehicle or a ice house, it, it kind of helps with our enforcement folks that if you, you know, are kind of being messy 
before they go up and need, you know, if you're still there, you kind of can't do anything. But now right. if it's laying all over, uh, they can actually do something about it. So, but the whole goal is, um, in a positive manner, is to keep our lakes free of debris and trash and some of the things that kind of get left behind by ice anglers. Sure, absolutely. I think that's a good rule. That's yep, a good absolutely. rule. Absolutely. And then we've got fun facts that we're going to go over. Uh, you did the, the lake fish survey summary. So what did you find? Yeah, so each year we go out and, and, and sample about 14 lakes. When we sample, we set nets and we monitor the fish. We do measurements and things like that. And um, one of our staff at Waterville kind of puts together some kind of neat summary facts about it. Um, last year in 2023, uh, we captured 15,426 different fish in our survey nets. Wow. And that's it's a lot. Um, we had 24 different species. And by the numbers, most of those were bullhead. We get a lot of bullheads in our part of the state. I am accused of being a bad bullhead manager, but, <laughs> but that's beside the point. Um, about 15% of them are bluegill, 13% crappies, uh, 4% walleye, and 4% pike. So that was kind of the composition. Huh. Uh, 5% largemouth bass, too, for our bass anglers out there. Um, the, the cumulative length. So if we took all the fish that we take lengths off of, so when we get a fish, we take their length, we take their weight, right? Okay. It's part of the stuff we, we kind of gather from them. If we added up all the fish and put them side by side, um, we would have measured about 1.72 miles of fish. So oh, wow. almost from your studio here all the way to all the way into Walmart. So huh. that's that's quite a bit that's of fish. Cool. Yeah. So uh, we we also collected about 2,608 structures. And I know when you were out at the hatchery this spring, um, one of our staff showed you how to age a fish. Yeah. yeah. It's like a bone in the ear or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It's called an otolith. And um, we take those structures out and we can crack those in half and count the rings like a tree. And they're very accurate. And um, before we, we've used scales, typically, where you scrape a scale off the side of a fish and age those. But once they get past about five years old, most species, um, those those annual growth rings get really close together and hard to see. But in an otolith, that inner ear bone that you saw, mm-hmm. um, they, they're, they stay really transparent and you can see them very well. So we can age fish 14, 20 years old even. Wow. So What's the oldest fish that you guys have... Have the oldest out I've and... seen was right around that 20-year-old. Okay. Um, so it's, they get pretty old around here. And so you think about that when you're harvesting fish out there. That keep some thinking of, of like grumpy old around. men in that movie and like they were <laughs> right. looking for the, that one fish. Yeah, and they're older than your kids <laughs> in some cases. So, <laughs> But uh, the longest fish we captured last year, um, we had got a black crappie that was 16 inches off Hunt Lake in Rice County. Um, a bluegill that was 10.5 inches in Fox Lake in Rice County. Uh, the biggest largemouth bass we captured was uh, 20, just under 21 inches in Beaver Lake in Steele County. Uh, the biggest pike we caught was about 40 inches out of Shields Lake in Rice County. Uh, the biggest walleye we caught was 28 inches from Cannon Lake. And uh, the longest fish overall was a 41.3 inch muskie that we caught in French Lake last spring. Oh, wow. Yeah. Muskies are scary looking. They're big. I told you I'm scared of fish, right? <laughs> and so I think it's like he's going to make sure that I'm by the end of next season, I should be able to not be scared of fish, right? Fish are your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember that. Fish are your friend. So one of my friends goes, why don't you swim in the lakes? I said, I don't know what's down there. I've seen some of them. You've seen those big fish that they yank out. Like, yeah. The, is- the likelihood of anything like attacking <laughs> you is pretty small. But I don't I, want it to touch me. But I will say, this is interesting, because if you have listeners that maybe, um, maybe have immigrated here from other places, mm-hmm. we have people that have come here that don't really understand our resources and they think well there's alligators in that river so we don't want to go swimming oh, there yeah. or things like that so 
that's a real thing of not knowing what's under the water and it kind of prevents some people from really getting the full experience of interacting with their natural resources. So it's our job um, to make sure that we're kind of communicating all this with, with people of all kinds. Right. You'll have me noodling before. Maybe. We can't do that here, can we? Um, we were t- they were talking about that on the morning show. N- never done it. But, uh, <laughs> if, if you want to try to capture a catfish under a rock by hand, I suppose, you know, it's a, your thing. Let's talk uh, briefly about trout and opportunities in southern Minnesota in the winter. What's the season? What's the regular season for trout? Yeah, so that there's a winter lake trout season that starts on Saturday the 13th. Okay. And um, we are, we have been working for the last few years on providing a unique opportunity in southern Minnesota because we don't really have one down here for mm-hmm. winter trout fishing. We have summer trout fishing opportunities at um, Paul's Creek up by, by St. Peter, and that's really, really popular. It gets hundreds of people there. We have um, Wolf Creek down in Austin, and then we have um, uh, Rice Creek over by Northfield. Okay. Yeah, but we don't have anything really that's like a winter fishery. So we've been working for the last few years to develop one. Um, we have some logistics on that we're still working on. Uh, we had hoped to have something in place, but the weather this year has not been cooperating mm-hmm. real well. We don't have ice, so mm-hmm. I'm going to hold off on the specifics on that. But it's something that we are working for toward, and our anglers should be excited the fact that um, some of these winter trout fisheries can be really popular. Like there's, for example, there's one up in Carver County on Courthouse lake and there's hundreds of ice houses on that little lake um, that come out to catch these trout that are stocked so um, we'll, we'll get more information out on that but that's something that we are working on and uh, we're pretty excited about it we talked a little bit about winter kill and you mentioned something about oxygen in the water and is that what the aeration is about in Sometimes we'll see it, sometimes we won't see it, or maybe it's there and we don't see it. Yeah, I think my quote on this is winter aeration, what we know that we don't know. Because we probably know, um, we, we don't know more things than we do. Okay. We've been aerating lakes in southern Minnesota and you know throughout the state since about the 1970s. It kind of became a popular tool for fisheries management. And the goal was to try to make our lakes more stable so they didn't go through these like periods of winter kill. Mm-hmm. It would keep the game fish more stable. It would keep kind of our rough fish, our common carp in check. Uh, we, but I will be honest that over all these years we've been aerating lakes, we still don't know what the mechanisms are that either prevent a winter kill from happening hmm. or that causes a winter kill from happening. And part of the problem is is there, there's a million factors that can go into creating a winter kill. It's not just oxygen, we don't believe. And because of that, it makes it very hard to like research and assess. Uh, so that, that's kind of what we <laughs> don't know about aeration. Uh, we, it is used in some lakes. Um, we think it's marginally successful in a few lakes, but for the most part, aeration likely doesn't play a big role in preventing winter kill, um, at least not in a continuous basis. Okay. What we know, we don't know. Yes. Yeah. What we know, <laughs> like we don't that. know. <laughs> uh, you have something set up with the DNR where people that are uh, avid fisher people can get involved, and, and you've got some... Um, like you said, great opportunities on your social media. But there's meetings coming up. Is, are, is this meeting that we're going to talk about? Is this open to the public? Or? It is, and it's pretty exciting. Uh, we had this meeting for the first time last year. It's called our Fisheries Information Sharing Network, which is kind of the group of uh, outreach that we have around our area. And uh, we call it FISHN for short, F-I-S-H-N. And we had our inaugural meeting last year on February 28th, and we had about 100 people attend, a little bit more than that. Were you excited fo- about that number? Were you oh, expecting my, more or less? When, when we have DNR meetings, typically we get 10 to 15 people to show up down here so that was 
like we had a we had a room reserved and as we got closer to the meeting date we, there was so much buzz that we are like oh my gosh we got to move this so we moved it to another room and we still didn't have enough room for folks so it was awesome that's a good problem to have it was so we're going to host that meeting again and we're going to have it on March 5th this year and it's going to be a Mankato again because we had really good turnout there and it's going to be from 6.30 to 9 o'clock at the Country Inn and Suites and if for anybody that follows um, follows us on, on social media it'll be announced again in there so you'll have plenty of opportunities to see this and we'll also announce it on local media too so um, we're pretty excited about having that meeting again. I really hope a lot of people show up. Um, we have a really good agenda. Uh, we're going to be talking about things such as barotrauma, which is the effects of taking fish out of deep water. Um, and we're going to be talking about outreach in general and some information on some of the creel summaries, the angler surveys that we've been doing out on our lakes and kind of the summaries from that. So um, it's it's pretty exciting, uh, that meeting, and I, I hope to see a lot of people show up. Well, you have to come back and remind us and, uh, and go Absolutely. on the air with me and we'll let people know. Absolutely. Great to have you in. Uh, Stick around. We're just going to wrap things up with Craig from the DNR at the top of the hour where we're going to make sure that uh, we have all of the contact information that we need and any final things that we might have uh, missed coming up in just a bit. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Totally uh, totally appreciate it. Back on KTOE, Middays with Lisa Kay. Thanks for hanging out. I especially want to thank Craig from the DNR for coming in and talking a little bit about what it is that you do. And I know that um, as... I know you probably piqued people's interest when we talked about uh, possible winter trout fishing opportunities. So if people are looking for more information on on that, when you're ready to announce things, where should they be looking? Uh, we'll, we'll do some type of announcement on, on media like, like yourself. So we'll, we'll get it out there. And, of course, our social media, we reach quite a few people through that. So we'll put it on that. And uh, so we'll, we'll get the word out when that time comes. Um, we're not quite there yet, but we'll we'll get there. Once again, that fishing meeting at March 5th, 6.30 to 9 p.m. at Country Inn and Suites in Mankato. That's, is that free? That is free. In fact, we're going to have cookies for you. So oh, if you, it's not it's only free, than free, you can come and enjoy us and have a conversation <laughs> with us and eat a cookie. Better than free. And if you have college students in your house or you know of people, I know that the DNR is looking for internships. I saw that on your social media. That's a fun internship. Yes. And I think if you talk to our interns that we had last year, we had two of them at our fisheries office. Um, they absolutely had a blast. So I think they learned a lot, um, so I would encourage you to check out that opportunity. Um, and we also have opportunity for high school students as well. Oh, you do? Um, not through us directly, but through the American Fishery Society, which is sponsors um, interns um, in high school through a, through a scholarship program. And we had one at our office last year, so it was a really great opportunity. Um, so there are opportunities for anybody interested in going into this field, or if you just kind of don't even know and you just want to experience it, um, get out there and, and, and give us a call, and we'll, we'll help you out. What would you be doing if you weren't doing this? I'd be sitting at my computer writing reports. <laughs> so thank you, Lisa, for getting me away from that for I was an hour. Say, well, you know, like uh, this sounds like you're working your passion. So yeah, what a fun job to have. It's all fun to do, but I tell you. Lisa, this is the most fun part is the communication and the outreach and um, getting to talk to people and getting input. And uh, this this is just this. This is what we do it for. Well, so. I will take um, if you're if you're listening at home right now and, and don't know the DNR's websites and their Facebook pages and all of that. I'll take that after I get off the air at noon today. That'll all be on KTOE.com. So people will be able to just click off on those links. And that's where you'll hear a replay of this particular interview in case you missed something. Hopefully you'll come back and join me. I will anytime. Perfect. So you probably put me on block because I'll call you so no, much now. It's good. Least. You got information. <laughs> I mean, 
We're yeah. just waiting for some ice and stuff. And then some it. fish. We'll see you in in April for the fish. I want to harvest some eggs. We're going to have you harvest an eggs. You have <laughs> to I'm touch gonna, them to I'm do that. i touch a fish. Come on. <laughs> All right. Oh, KTOE.com. I'm going to head off to the news and sports room. Craig, good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Thank you.